Hey, what's going on? Welcome inside the TCO Studios for episode number eight of the Audible presented by Verizon. With 5G built right for the Vikings, Minnesota can scream, stream, and share every play in Verizon 5G quality. I'm alongside Ben Lieber. My name is Gabe Henderson. And Ben, uh, bye week just passed. Glad to have you back. You got a fresh haircut. Yeah, you feel, yeah. I feel like you're just like a new man. You went to Kansas State to your old stomping grounds. How, how was that? Oh, it was uh, it was great. You know what? It, my my in laws live like an hour and fifteen minutes away, so we saw them, and um, my kids have never been to K State. Oh wow! Yeah, so um, you know, I don't think they're really impressed. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, uh, okay. Can I think my daughter would thought it was kind of. They thought it was cool for the moment, but. Um, it was definitely more enjoyable for my wife and I because that's where we met, and nice. we and uh, and she hadn't been back in a long time. So yeah, we got them down on the football field, and we saw some new enhancements to the stadium, and we took them down to, you know, some of our our old stomping grounds and had some lunch, and it was good, man. It was good. It's good to see you. Good to see you too, and I'm glad we were able to um, actually get a, a, away from each other and away from football. And like, oh actually... god, I was glad to get away from you. <laughs> Whoo boy! I mean, <laughs> oh, you, should, you should listen to my wife. She probably says the same thing. <laughs> But this was this was a great week. I, I mean, we had for for bye week, we had all these you know fancy uh, getaways planned out: dinner, um, apple orchard. Saturday morning at ten thirty a.m., I woke up and I said, "I'm staying in the house today," and didn't leave until like Saturday night to get something to eat. And she enjoyed every second of it. She was like, "You know, sometimes a staycation is the best getaway." It is. So the fact that we did that Sunday night, we went to the Rolling Stones concert at US Bank Stadium, and I knew about two songs. But it was probably one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Yeah. So it, it was just good just to like not think about football all day. Yeah. I still watch the games. Yeah. But just to get away from it a little bit was 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 fun to do. But Halloween is coming up. Yeah. And it's primetime Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys. But speaking of Halloween, I know you you dress up in costumes every year. Um, I know we got a picture right behind us of you and your family. Um, well, that, explain this, please. Uh, okay. So this actually is not. Our Halloween costumes. Okay. So then, this was a, an ad for Target. Okay. So my my kids are involved with some of this stuff, and they're like, "Hey, we need a family to actually do this. Um, would you guys be willing to do this?" It's funny because I think this was two years ago. Okay. And so yeah, I think I think on the packaging that you can find at Target, this will be like the image <laughs> that you see. I don't actually own that. Really? No. And well, none of our and none of nobody actually in my family owns that. But I would rock that. That's a good Halloween costume. It's a good Halloween costume. But do you dress up for Halloween? I'd love to say that I do. I really I don't anymore. Um, I dress up as a dad that has a few drinks as I'm walking around with my kids. <laughs> I was about to say you dress up as a dad. Yeah, I dress up as a dad and I put a hoodie on and I stay warm and I have a and I have my my Yeti full of my favorite beverage and uh and i help the kids just walk around you nice. know so that's that's kind of it i get that i get that do so you dress up I, you... i've never dressed up what do you mean you've never dressed up? i've so growing up my family we would do we would have like halloween outings and we would go to different places but we never dressed up my parents they were just like hey you know it's just for one thing I, maybe they, i don't know maybe they're a party poopers maybe i am too but I never dressed up. My brother did. My brother does still. But like for me, I just enjoy watching people that dressed up. Like I'll, I would have candy at the front door. So people would come over and like take candy. Like we would, we would do everything Halloween tradition, but dress up. Maybe this year I'll, I'll, I'll do something. I was thinking about being um, Steph Curry this year. I have a Steph Curry jersey. Mm-hmm. I have 
<laughs> some Steph Curry shoes and I have some uh, some Golden State Warriors pants. So I was thinking about being Steph this year, but I don't I don't know uh, if I'm going to do that 100% or not because we play the Cowboys. And if I show up to U.S. Bank Stadium in a Golden State Warriors jersey, I'm not sure that would be well. Received. Well, see, that's the thing about Minnesota that you you ob- you know that it gets cold here, right? Yeah. So when you think of your Halloween costumes, you have to think of what can I bundle myself in that mm. still looks good. Mm. I think a basketball jersey and basketball shorts. They ain't gonna cut. <laughs> you're gonna have to, not, not you're gonna have to have a few underlayers on, base layers on, and then you just you kind of lose the vibe. Okay, maybe I'll. Then be you're gonna look like Teen Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm sticking to the basketball vibes, maybe I'll be Carmelo Anthony. You know, he he wears the hoodie, so maybe I'll be hoodie mellow. Yeah, maybe or, do that. If I'm trying to stay warm, but we do got a game on Sunday, and I know I'm not gonna wear a hoodie to the game if I know. You know, if if all else fails, I'll wear a suit of some sort and get ready for this Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, you'll dress up as Vikings reporter guy, and I'll dress up as Vikings sideline guy. (laughs) What does that look like? Just a suit and tie. All right, cool. Well, I won't dress up as a Vikings player because those guys are a lot better at football than we are, and they have to be really good on Sunday. Speak for yourself. That's that's true. That's true. I, I'll, I'll give you a couple of plays, <laughs> a couple, maybe a quarter or so, and then, and then maybe I'm you kidding. know stopping the run. You probably do a good job of that this year. I don't know. Maybe a linebacker. No, Who knows? I'd, I'd they be, got they got to do it Sunday. I'd be broken. Yeah, <laughs> they got to do it Sunday. And Eric Kendricks, another linebacker, and Anthony Barr. They have to be really good again against Ezekiel Elliott and this Dallas Cowboys run offense. I got my words all twisted up yeah. right now. Yeah, look, man, th- this is a it's a high-powered offense now. Like, they they are exceptional. They're the best in the league when it comes to running the football. Um, they, they're number one in the league when it comes to attempts. So they, they don't back down. I mean, it's, it, they, they commit to the run game. And you got to give them credit because they'll give you a lot of different stuff. I mean, you know, against the Giants, they came out and they ran 11 personnel right off the, right off the get-go. Mm-hmm. So they still ran the football a little bit. But then they followed up uh, next game later, they come out in 12 personnel. And, and so like you just never know what you're going to get to start off the game, but you know that they're going to commit to the run. So they're going to they're gonna throw multiple personnel uh, groupings at you, but they're still, still going to run the football. So, you know, base situations, nickel situations, mm-hmm. we have to be, you know, on our P's and Q's when it comes to just details. And, and they have two backs that are a little bit of that that thunder and lightning mm-hmm. you know zeke is really good he can still get around the corner but pollard is lightning quick and very fast and hits the hole a little bit a little bit quicker um so they're going to give you a heavy dose of both that's a great point that you brought up uh tony pollard um i know a lot of people are giving zeke a lot of credit because of what he does he's a really good running back he's been good over the years fifth um, has the fifth most rushing yards in the nfl right now but what tony pollard does for this offense i think mike zimmer will be um, game planning for him also on top of Zeke. Stopping the run, of course, is the number one thing you got to do. Uh, if they want to throw the ball 40 to 50 times, I think Mike Zimmer, he, he, can, he can live with that mm-hmm. because now you're trusting your quarterback who's got a bad calf mm-hmm. to, to win a game for you. But Tony Pollard, um, he's six in the NFL in, in, in all-purpose yards. The guy can ball. Mm-hmm. And if we don't stop him, similar to what, we, what happened last year, he will burst for a 38-yard touchdown that changes the game against a team that's trying to claw it claw its way back in the game. You agree? I agree. And I think, you know, every every team has, you know, two good running backs now. It's not just about the the star running back. And, and we can say the same thing about our guys with with Madison. But, you know, with those guys and you and you pair that up with the way Dak likes to throw the ball, he looks to the running backs a lot. Yep. And I'm not talking about just design screen passes and stuff like that. 
he's not afraid to check the ball down. You know, as much as he, he he's a big play guy, he can get the ball down the field, and, and he, he does try to take the top off the defense at times and throw those intermediate routes. But he really looks for those guys as his outlet, as his comfort, uh, his comfort blanket, that not only will they just be involved in the play action, but you got to keep your eye on them. You cannot yeah. lose track of any one of these guys, and Pollard is super, super quick, and he can find some space. And then you, know, you mentioned just how quick he is getting, getting the ball in his hands, and then he, he makes one move, and he's, and he's vertical, gone. and he's yeah. gone. So um, it's going to be a huge, huge test for our front seven. Any of our safeties are involved in the, in the, in the pass game to, to keep an eye on those guys. Moving to the defensive side of the ball, our offense – our offense against their defense, but our offense has been clicking as of late. Uh, against the Carolina Panthers, 571 total yards, third most in Vikings history. Clearly, we're starting to find some traction on who we can trust, who we can put out in space, and who can make plays. And that's been good to see. And playing against the Dallas Cowboys team, that's the sixth best run defense, but the third worst pass defense. How do you attack them with the weapons that we have seen for this Minnesota Vikings offense? You know, I think that this defense, to me, is very similar to the Arizona Cardinals. As we approached that game, we said, wow, look at the athleticism that the Cardinals have on defense. Those guys, they love to get horizontal, and they love to take away some of those alley plays, and they love to attack the perimeter. And so going into that game, you know, my mindset was like, they've never been tested physically in, on the interior of their defense. I think that we need to run down, downhill on those guys. And that sort of was the approach. We had some success running downhill. I think that's the same approach with this, with this Dallas Cowboys defense. They're very athletic, very athletic. And I think they want you to go sideways so they can showcase that. I think that we can go heavy personnel. I think as long as we hit the holes, and, I, and I'd like to see Dalvin hit the holes a little bit quicker than he did against Carolina, even though he had a great game against Carolina. Mm-hmm. I think the timing was off on some of those blocks. And so um, if we can get downhill in those A gaps, you know, mm-hmm. those, those wide, you know, maybe, maybe wide B gaps, maybe, but really kind of keep it in the middle of this defense, I think you can hit these guys. And then you soften everything up, you get them thinking, you know, we're going to get downhill just like everybody tries to do to us, and then we can play action pass against this pretty poor pass defense. They've given up 27 explosive plays in the pass game. That means passing yards that went for 20-plus yards. Mm-hmm. So in order for us to do that, we got to win the trenches. And a guy who knows a lot about the trenches is Michael Pierce, yeah. who is our special guest of the night. I'm excited to talk to him. I know you are, too. Yeah, he's one of my faves. I got a lot of faves on this defense. He's, he's one of my faves. He's a guy that just gets it, too. Like, yeah. a guy just, you know, understands how to, how to approach off-the-field stuff as well as yeah. on the field. So I'm excited, and I'm happy to get into that right after the break. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of The Audible. The Audible is presented by Verizon. With 5G built right for the Vikings, Minnesota can scream, stream, and share every play in Verizon 5G quality. Yo, welcome back inside the TCO studios. This is the Audible presented by Verizon. My name is Gabe Henderson alongside Ben Lieber and our guest of the night, my man, Big Mike Pierce, a.k.a. The Juggernaut. What's going on, man? Not much, brother. Not much. Just enjoying the company. <laughs> yeah, it's good to see you. Likewise, man. likewise. So, you, you know, you've been on the show before, so you know that we start off the first segment with a guest with a trivia question. Mm-hmm. And I know you are a history buff because you said that on the last time on the show, especially when it comes to Vikings defensive linemen. So you okay. ready for this? Let's see what we got. With that said, can you name the top five sack leaders in Vikings history? Okay. So we got to go John Randall, obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw – it's just a shot in the dark. Alan Page on the list? He is. All right, Four. bet. Ev got to be up there. He had mm-hmm. like 87 
Mm. No? No. Sheesh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Alan Page is in there. Alan Page. Uh, Two of them are. Can we give him a hint that he's sure. proper people eaters? I'm about to say. Okay. okay. I don't know the names. Man, this might be this the first time we got somebody. This is tough. This is tough. We, we, can't leave you, we can't leave you hanging mm. this whole time. So you want to you wanna break the news? So number one is Carl Eller. So we have on the list Carl Eller with 130. Hmm. Jim Marshall, 127. John Randall, 114. Alan Page, 108, which those two you got. And Chris Dolman. Chris Dolman. Top five at 96.5 hmm. sacks. Okay. Where is Ev? Do we know where Ev is at? Ev, he, I think he's like six up. or seven. Oh, so he, yeah. he's like six. They had he's some on there. the board. It was like 87. Yeah, so yeah, yeah he's got to okay. be up there. Okay. Yeah, but like, the, I mean, you talk about Ev, the fact that you get to play with somebody that's on pace to possibly yeah. be on that list. Right. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> Especially with those guys. And what did you say? The top guy was 130? 130. 130. <laughs> Cara Eller was the man. Yeah, we get a lot of sex. That's, <laughs> that's insane. But this is a place, you know, where D linemen are known to to make plays. This right. D linemen group has made plays thus far, and I know for you, you're a guy that want to make plays. So when you look at those names, those guys that have made plays in history for the Vikings, how does that motivate you? You know, it's just the thing that Dre hammers each and every week. The name of our group is the Rushman, mm-hmm. started by those guys who have all the accolades and all the stats. So um, no, it's just something that you know that's drilled in us. Um, it's a standard that's been set long before us. Obviously, when I came here, um, just following the steps like Linval, he's not on the sack list, but yeah. dude is an amazing player. And then, um, you know, Daniil, mm-hmm. fastest to 50 sacks in NFL yeah. history. So you're playing with that guy. You're playing with Everson, 87 career sacks. Um, I mean, it's just the list keeps going on and on. And obviously, you know, I pride myself on wanting to be one of the best nose guards, obviously, one of the better ones to play here. So you got a lot of goals. But you also got a lot of, you know, a lot of big shoes to fill. Well, you guys, know. you guys came into this year. That was one of your goals to get after the passer. Right. And and you know this that it's not always about sacks. It's right. about harass, mm-hmm. harassment, about pressures. And you know, going into the bye week, you guys were number one in the league. Eighteen percent of all passes, pass attempts, you guys were pressuring the quarterback. So that that to me goes beyond just the sack numbers. But when you guys look back at the film, and I know everybody kind of self scouts during the bye week, you know. What has been the biggest difference? You know, is it is it just this idea of team defense? Mm-hmm. And but what has led to this eighteen percent number one in the league of getting after the passer? Uh, guys are hungry. Also, you know, last year nobody was healthy, so um, just hadn't pieces. So bringing Griff back, so having him on a roll. Daniel's healthy and uh, he's on a roll. But also, you know, being able to rush four. And not have to, you know, keep extra guys in coverage and still be able to count on guys getting to the quarterback. Amon had a sack last week. Dalvin Tomlinson's on the roll now. Uh, James even came in and got yeah, a sack. So, crazy. like I was telling people in preseason, like, you know, I have a big job being a starting nose guard, but these guys can play. Yeah. And you know, when they get their opportunity, they're doing well. So, um, no, nah, man, it's just everybody as a collective, um, being in tune, being on the same page, and just getting at the quarterback and doing what Dre says and executing the game plan. What does that do for like vibe and morale of the room when you have guys that's like building that confidence and wanting to make, or when somebody comes out of the game, somebody else can come in and it's not a drop off. What, what does that do for confidence? It allows you to be able to obviously get in the flow of the game, but you know, like, okay, if I get tired, the next guy's going to come in and he's going to 
pick up right where we left off. But that's something that we do a good job of on the sideline, just from series to series, just mm -hmm. talking. This is what I'm getting. This is what you can expect. They're changing this from the film, all that kind of stuff. So when Armand comes in, if I'm tired, or when, you know, the past two games, when Armand comes out, James knows exactly what to expect. Mm -hmm. You know, what kind of rush you're looking to hit. And then, you know, we cash in on those in Carolina. So just got to keep communicating and keep trusting each other. Do you guys do anything internally when you guys are watching film on a Monday? Are there, does, does Andre give you guys any sort of insider uh, or inside incentives? Like, do you guys, I know you don't have like a turnover change or a <laughs> chain or like that, but like, did he give you guys any sort of bones or anything just even inside that room to kind of get you guys motivated and even just celebrate the fact that you guys are doing great things. So he has a great tradition. His wife has a sack cake. If we get three sacks and we get a win, she makes the most delicious cake ever. Like it's insane. What kind of cake? Yeah, what's in it? So it's a proprietary blend. Yeah. <laughs> just know, I don't know exactly how it's made, but it's like a chocolate caramel mix, super moist. It's insane. Mm -hmm. Comes in cold. I don't even really like cold cake. I normally <laughs> prefer it like the yeah, room yeah. temp, but it's, it's the best thing you ever had. So he has stories of like guys from back in the day when he was here, like fighting over this cake. I think O-line took a cake, O-lineman took a cake back in the day and it almost came to blows. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure Coach Dre will be able to tell y'all, but I don't know what's in it, but it's dope, bro. It's dope. I know for, for you to say that, um, I know just personally you're a picky eater. Very much so. And Vikings fans don't know what you're picky about. Right. So what are you picky about? What do you not eat? Or what do right. you eat? That's what you okay. said. You said better question yeah. is what do you It'd eat? It'd probably be easier for me to describe okay. what I do eat. So interesting thing. I am not a chocolate person. So like, do not eat chocolate here. cake really ever. So for that cake, for me to eat it, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, I don't think I want to try it. He's like, you got to try this cake. Mm. So I think the caramel in it made it you know, better for me, but like people who love chocolate go crazy over this stuff. But okay. I would definitely, anytime we get some, I'm taking a slice. <laughs> so, um, no, nah, I don't do steak unless it's like well done. So, you know, you get like Japanese Wagyu, all these Wagyus, it needs to be well done. Picky about my vegetables. Uh -huh. I like to stick to kale broccolini, but you don't eat salad, right? Do not eat salad, but I make sure I get my greens in okay. like, I do the broccoli, I do the kale, spinach, um, different vegetables. Yeah, that's all right. But that's pretty I good. I don't like salad. I don't like quinoa. Yeah, I get I'm that. with you. I that. don't like like squash. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Um, the vegetable medley. Yeah, yeah that, that ain't my thing. Um, let's see. <laughs> I feel like you helping us understand what we don't like. It's like, yeah, I'm a little like bit piggy, bro. So like fish, I'll do like catfish from down down south. Okay. I'll do salmon. Um, I tried swordfish for the first time not okay. too long ago. I just tried oysters. For the first time? Cooked three different ways. Yeah. Being from down south, that's insane. Wow. I know. But you the only ones I really So you were in got... Baltimore, where the, like the seafood capital of the now, East I Coast. Now, I do crab cakes. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I do scallops. But as far as like the oysters, nah. Oysters Rockefeller was the closest thing. Yeah, that's okay. like yeah. doctored with cheese and Oh, yeah. Spinach cheese and, and like there's bread it's not real oysters. So char grill was not for me. Definitely not raw. So, um, no, I definitely got to look at the menu at a restaurant before I pull up. Or we're going to have a so no. So, you're good with just chicken. Mm-hmm. I don't chicken. eat fried chicken. Oh, man. That, wow. That's pork? That, that just took me back. Yeah. Pork chop, bacon. I will do a pork chop. Bacon is not really my thing. <gasps> wow. But 
I grew up on turkey bacon. Okay. Ah, that's healthy so, for you. Yeah, I think my dad was, had a thing about bacon. Hmm. So I grew up on turkey bacon, so I never really cared to eat regular bacon. But um, yeah, fried chicken is a no. Soul food is not really, yeah. Like I can do without <laughs> mac and cheese. What? So is there, is there a cuisine that, that you can go to a restaurant that you don't have to pick through the menu? Like, mm-hmm. like for me, because I'm, I'm gluten-free, like Mexican food, I can go to a Mexican restaurant and I don't really care what I eat because like everything's usually corn-based. So I'm right. good. Right. But if I go to another restaurant, I have to really kind of pick through. Like is there a yeah. cuisine that's just like checks all your boxes? Yeah. Italian food is my thing. That's your thing. Yeah. Why so, is that? I don't know. I just always had a love for pasta. So like lasagna, my mom makes like a really good lasagna. Mm. And like it just started from there. Like okay. anything with pasta, I probably must do. And I'm, I'm giving out pointers here, but like, well, hence, but like you make your own pasta from scratch. Yeah, right? I learned that in Italy. Wow. So obviously, you know, that's the capital. Pizza is cool. I love pizza. Um, but nah, pasta and me learning how to make pasta is cool. So that's crazy. I had a lot of time on my hands last year. So I got to try a lot of different stuff, but um, yeah. Now anything Italian, I don't have to really pick through that. Well, stuff. you fly in like Italian, the the Italian wheat or whatever the the flour is to make like real authentic mm. Italian pasta. I Did you I get into it that much? That. Okay. No, that's like culinary arts. I, yeah, say, that's I, I, def- I, I don't know how you would do that. I would be interested to see. I know some people are like so but, into it. They'll they'll fly in or they'll go to maybe these, some of these these craft stores and they have like the heritage wheat that's like mm. not been manipulated by any sort of like Western standards and it's like what they truly, truly ate. And it's like, I guess it's ridiculous. Hmm. ridiculous chef's, I think good. Chef's Table, they were talking about that. Oh, really? Documentary Chef's Table. I, where I'll like, try it. Where it comes yeah, from you, like, should yeah. you should look into but it. No, I, I, I couldn't tell you where to look. Flour. But... <laughs> so, I, I, I definitely, I'll fool that in the off season. I'll see if I can get that done in Bama. But um, no, yeah, that's, that's my thing. Like I can fool with any kind of pasta. Still working on like ravioli and tortellini, but. You're killing me with this steak, yeah. man. It's just gotta be well done, bro. I can't see no blood on the plate. I, wonder I don't how like many, raw stuff. I wonder how many looks you've gotten from people when you say, I want my steak well done. I mean, yeah, that's the first thing I'm like, you know, you know, they do like the chef's recommendation. I, medium, I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, medium plus plus. I medium think that's, well, the, yeah. that's the best I can do. Yeah. But by the time I get to the center, I'm probably just gonna, I'm done. <laughs> so, nah, I don't like to see blood on Save the plate. Save that for me then. <laughs> I don't like to see blood on that plate, dog. Man, but I know um, you do like fish, and mm-hmm. fishing is big in the Minnesota community. Have mm-hmm. you had a chance to go fishing here or uh, understand what fishing is to this community? I've heard about like ice fishing and all that stuff, but like I've been to Lake Minnetonka all the time mm-hmm. uh, to see this uh, summer. So, um, no, I haven't fished. I like to swim. Oh, wow. So by the time I get to the lake, I'm jumping off the boat and <laughs> I'll be out there for a couple hours. So now I hadn't had much time to swim. I'm still, I got to get used to the cold before I try to do this ice mm. fishing thing. But I understand like people have like trailers that have holes in them. Yeah. And they do it. I can do it that way. I can do it that way. That's about the only way I can do it too. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm not all about sitting on a bucket outside <laughs> yeah. on a five gallon bucket flipped upside down. You, no thanks. The people who do that, they tough. Heck yeah. Minnesota. They are tough. Yeah, they tough. That's a whole different brand of toughness. But here's what I don't understand about ice fishing for those people. Okay. It's not like you're catching anything exotic. You know, if if you're out there and you're like, man, I'm going to catch something that I can't catch in the summertime. 18 pound cat. Like if if there's something else that like comes up from the depths in the wintertime that you can catch, maybe it's worth sitting on a bucket. But if you sit on the bucket and you're going to pull out a six inch crappie, like, 
well, that was it really that worth it? Like to sit there and freeze your face off or like a for me no a bluegill? But I like, think I crappie? assume I've, I've read a lot of like um, articles about different stuff and like blogs. I think it's like a pastime thing for the people who endured that. It's like generational. Yeah, it's like yeah. that's what they do. Like I yeah. talked to one of our guys on our equipment staff, like him and his family. That's what they've been doing since you know he's from a small town. Yeah. That's what they do. Um, I'm not gonna do that. Let's be honest. <laughs> I'm not all just want to get away from. I'm not wives. gonna do that. That's all it is. But um, they just want to get away from I'll, their wife. I'll try the trailer. For sure. Yeah. Well, playing football in the cold is is bad enough. So good thing we play in the dome Indeed. and we got a game on Sunday and we get to talk to Michael Pierce about that game against the Dallas Cowboys right after the break. We'll be right back with more from Michael Pierce on the Audible presented by Verizon. All right, we're back. This is the Audible presented by Verizon. My name is Gabe Henderson alongside Ben Lieber, our guy Michael Pierce, who joins the show today. And Mike, Dallas Cowboys week. Um, I feel like that's, that says enough in itself. Yeah, um, primetime football. Sunday night football. Uh, but I, I got to ask you, you, you haven't played the last couple of games. Mm-hmm. And your guys, Armin Watts, James Lynch, even Dalvin Tomlinson, they've stepped up in your absence. What has it been like to watch those guys make those plays since you've been out? It's been amazing to see, especially like James. Yeah. Um, he played a little bit last year, but um, he got a lot of snaps in Carolina and he made the most of them. And, uh, you know, anytime you, you know, sit out any games, you want to see your team, you know, perform as well or if not better than when you were out there. So, um, you know, that's most important for me, like to have Armand play at the level he's playing, have James play at the level he's playing. And, um, you know, had to watch that one on TV, mm. unfortunately. But to be there and like be able to like, you know, say, this is what I'm seeing from the sideline, talk to Dre and all that kind of stuff. That's great for me just to know, like, you know, it's not okay that I'm missing yeah. the game, but we're doing all right. right. So um, nah, it's uh it's been great to see, man. I'm super proud of them. And uh we're looking forward to seeing what they can keep doing, you know, when I'm back and and it'll be it'll be great just to have three guys that we can depend on. Dalvin's gonna do great regardless. So yeah, he, he's yeah. he's a monster in itself. So so as far as your role goes, and and I've been there too. Like getting getting injured and being out is it sucks. It's just the worst. I mean, it, for for you know psychological reasons and emotional reasons, like you just you you don't feel like you're a part of the team, but you still want to value be a value add. You don't want us to be a guy that's in the training room. So how does how does that change for you in the course of the week and on game day? How do you add value even though that you're not out there playing? First and foremost, I just prepare myself mentally, um, just like I was playing. So I still watch the film obviously in every meeting. And uh, no, it's just for me now, like more just communicating with Dre and telling, you know, obviously the guys, this is what I see. Um, I played a lot more snaps than those guys collectively. So, um, you know, I would prepare myself differently. We talk about those things anyway, but uh, just now more so like, you know, knowing the kind of moves our mom wants to hit, knowing kind of player James is, mm-hmm. you say, okay, if you get this, I would go to this if I were you mm-hmm. type thing. But um, no, they do a great job of preparing. But um, now it's just about me and Coach Dre, you know, when I'm on the sideline, being in tune, um, you know, staying focused. And when I see something that, you know, I think it can help, mm-hmm. you know, not only, you know, our defensive line or like our nose guards, but like our three techs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, normally when I'm in the game, it's about nose guard and, you know, my nose guard. So me, James and Armand talking. But now I can talk to Dalvin. I can talk to everybody and just see how different things are fitting. And it's like, you know, our linebackers are doing this and we're getting that. It's about, you know, schematics. Mm-hmm. So that's something I enjoy, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, it's just about, you know, talking through stuff with our coaching staff 
and then being a you know extra ear and extra eyes on the field. You, you talk about Dalvin a little bit earlier this week. He said Zimmer has helped his game improve each week of the season. Right. What have you liked about him? And I know Zimmer, he's in the room with you too. You, you've right. seen him, but what has he done? Especially a guy that we know he's a head coach, but he more so focuses on the secondary. Mm-hmm. That's that's the that's this you know his bread and butter. But for the D line, for, for Dalvin to say that about him in the D line, mm-hmm. what have you liked? What has he done? That that's made you guys take that next step. Guys in the position to make plays. So a reason why we have those, you know, 21 sacks and a pressure rate, you know, we have different fronts, but now he's putting in different blitzes, different coverages, and um, he's just allowing like guys. So, you know, everybody was on Dalvin. He wasn't getting sacks at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, he had to adjust to playing four eye. So that's an adjustment. And then, you know, when we go back to over, we'll call some things to let him free up himself and you know, not so much, you know, power rush guys, but he can feel some freedom to move around and do some things. And then, um, you know, it's just about, you know, integrating with the talent. Mm -hmm. So a lot of coaches, they have a scheme Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. stick to the scheme. Some schemes work better than others, but, you know, you find guys that fit in your scheme. But the thing Coach Zimmer does is not only does he have a scheme and have a plan, but he can integrate different things for different guys and, you know, see what their talents are and make it work for the defense as well. You know, the one thing that I loved, and, and I know that you understand this, but for the listeners and the viewers out there, you know, you, you talk about James Lynch's sack in, this, in the last game, in the Carolina game. And the thing that I loved about that sack is because that was a team sack. Mm-hmm. You know, what Eric Kendricks did as far as a linebacker, picking that offensive lineman right. and him looping around, like that to me is, is, that to me is like a football work of art, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I love watching a guy beat somebody one-on-one, but I also love watching... Uh, an X's and O's concept workout and Indeed. come to fruition. And I, I'm, I'm happy for James, but I love the fact that, like, dude, Kendricks is doing a job that kind of sucks. It's you know, a thankless job. You know, yeah. it's a thankless <laughs> yeah. job. Yeah, and and those, those are the hidden things that I don't think people realize. And you guys do the same thing to, to the linebackers as well, is, is picking guys or even picking a defensive end on a stunt or twist or something like that. I love when I see those things come to fruition as well. Yeah, definitely. It's awesome when you get to draw some up and it works just like you draw it up in practice. Normally something goes wrong where this alignment doesn't set a certain way and all that stuff, but we run those things and walkthroughs and all this stuff throughout the year. And, you know, for it to hit as clean as it did was awesome. But um, I know a lot of people, you know, miss those kind of intricacies of the game. Yeah. But like front and coverage, like people don't preach that enough. Like when Pat P does his job, when Breland does his job, when EK does his job, great things happen for the D-line and vice versa. So, um, you know, we had a rough couple of weeks at the beginning of the season, but I think we're starting to get rolling and we're starting to see a lot of guys who have those, you know, special abilities mm-hmm. start to come and, you know, shine through. We started the segment off with the fact that it's Dallas week. Right. You know, they want to run the ball. They can throw the ball also. But for a defensive lineman, for a defensive line unit, what is the point of emphasis when facing a team like Dallas? Uh, first and foremost, we got to out-physical their offensive mm-hmm. line. So we got to get them out of the run game. Everybody knows who Zeke is, but mm-hmm. that Pollard kid is, mm-hmm. he can play. He got some juice, man. Yeah. So, um, you know, we got to get them off a of schedule. So, you know, most offenses, when you got backs and you run the ball like that, they plan on it being second and six and shorter. Mm-hmm. So we keep them in second and eight, second and nine, get some negative plays on first down. Mm-hmm. Now we can start getting in our wheelhouse and calling some things and, you know, sending them some looks that they don't normally see. So. Um, first and foremost, we got to get them out of running the ball, which they've done extremely, extremely well. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we got to get after Dak as a group because the dude is amazing. He's got tons and tons of weapons, but um, we believe, you know, 
because we're getting a lot of sacks around here, mm-hmm. we can put pressure on them like nobody has before. So um, we got to keep them off balance. Yeah. Uh, Kellen Moore does a great job of calling plays. I'm, you might have played against him. Mm-hmm. Dude's been in the league. He's seen a lot of different things, Brilliant. and he's putting it together with Dak. So um, we got to make him run, obviously not scramble out the pocket, but keep him on the move and not let him get in the rhythm because when they get in the rhythm, they're tough to stop. Well, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, he's coming off a calf injury. And I think the biggest news coming out of Frisco is whether or not, you know, how healthy is he? How mobile is he going to be? Is he is he going to be 90%? Is he going to be 100%? Is that a conversation that you guys have internally about like, yeah, we want to get after the quarterbacks, but we really have to get after him to make sure that he's testing that, that calf and to see if he's 100%. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with any quarterback, whether they're healthy or not, I would prepare like they're healthy. But um, also, he does a lot of things outside the pocket. So um, that's going to affect him if he's not 100% healthy on being able to plan or being able to explode off those kind of things. So we'll do a lot of things to see, you know, early on to see how he does. And we'll monitor it. And that'll be, you know, whoever's job is on the sideline to watch those kind of things. But not to give too many things away. Um, you definitely want to monitor that and plan as if they're 100%. But if it happens to be he's not. You got to take advantage of those things. A lot of what we do is like, okay, well, in 2019, this is what happened. 2020, this is what happened. But we know teams and rosters change every year. This right. Dallas Cowboys offense, they haven't changed in the past four years. So how much does familiarity for a guy like a Dalvin Tomlinson who's played in New York and played the Cowboys, how much does that factor when playing an offense that have played together for a while? When you played those guys, um, I think Coach talked about DT has gotten a few sacks on the Dallas Cowboys in the past. Um, so... He's familiar with, you know, Zach Martin, how he sets. He's familiar with, you know, he wouldn't see a Tyron Smith, but mm-hmm. Connor Williams was there last year. The center was there last year. So he's more familiar with, you know, he has a feel for, you know, who they would, who they are and how they like to do things. Yeah. So anytime you go against a team where, you know, it's a new coordinator, it's a new head coach, they run different stuff and maybe the line shifts. Um, you know, nobody has a feel for, you know, how they set and how they do these things. So. Uh, when we go play my former team, I will know uh, exactly how they like to do things. And uh, that plays into the hands of, you know, we might want to rush this way. We might want to send guys this way. Somebody wants to roll this way, keep them off balance type thing. So, um, no, we're going to use that to our advantage. And it's definitely something that's great to have within the D-tackle room. I know where you're going, Ben. <laughs> what? <laughs> he said we play this team next week with Baltimore. So I, I know... You just you throwing us softballs, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got to yeah. work together, man. I, I mean, I was gonna I was gonna go someplace like that. So yeah, I, I was just gonna kind of ask you. I know that you have to take one game at a time, mm-hmm. but you know, I think there still is something of taking taking the season in chunks. You know, everybody kind of takes it in quarters, and like, right. and this these four games coming up are are huge for this team. And mm-hmm. I think you, we all understand what what I mean by that. So how are you approaching uh, this game and really the next you know four or five games? Um, to me. You know, I'd, I'd approach it like any other game. We got to have it. And um, whatever I need to do to prepare my body, prepare my mind, um, whether I play or I don't play, um, it's just about being, you know, accountable to the standard that, you know, we have to win. We ended the first quarter three and three, but we need to not only, we're not breaking 500. We need to win as many of these four games as we can. And um, just holding those guys and each and everybody to the standard. And I think everybody around the building, you can feel the intensity. Mm-hmm. You can feel that, you know, if we want to make a playoff push, we got to start this week and build and build and build. So, um, no, nah, I think everybody's on the same page with that. And uh, it's just about being accountable and, you know, preparing as best you can each and every week and building. 
I think with that said, with that accountability and, and, and building, did the bye week come at the perfect time? Do you feel like it came at the perfect time for you guys to be able to, you know, you went three and three going into the bye and then now got some new juice heading into these next four or five games that are, are a tough stretch? Yeah, I think it came. I mean, you got to take those how it comes with the mm-hmm. schedule. Personally, I would like to have it towards the end. Okay. But um, no, I think it came at a good time because, you know, we're getting the guys a lot more healthy. So AB had a nice couple, couple games, and now he has the time to rest his knee, get more work on it, and then bounce back. Uh, for me personally, I had a week just to worry about getting my arm back right, mm-hmm. making sure that when I go out there, I don't run the risk of re-injuring it again, and uh, just being more, you know, feeling better yeah. and uh, just being confident when I go back out there, my body's healthy and ready to go. So um, Dalvin Cook missed the game, came back Carolina, yeah. played an amazing game, got enough time to you know work on his leg and get himself back together and for this 11-game push. So I think it came at a good time. You know, the season is how it goes. They print it and you got to work with it. So I think everybody had a great plan to, you know, not only recover, let themselves get a little break, but, you know, make sure their body's ready to roll. We have guys that we talk about, okay, man, this, this guy's playing great. Like, this guy's doing this, doing that. Being that it's your first year on the team, do you have a guy that you, that you say, whether it's offense or defense, of like, man, this, this guy's good? Chris Boyd on special teams is a beast. I don't think people give him enough credit. Yeah, I don't know how they vote for people for the Pro Bowl for that kind of stuff, but double teams, single blocks, the dude can he's play. He's killing it, huh? Yeah, he's doing, he's doing a fast, great job. Fast as, he is doing what? a great job. Um, Hammer. Mm. That run last week was insane. Yeah. But he does a great job on special teams as well. That's our special teams leader. So he goes to the Pro Bowl. So <laughs> keep voting for him, obviously. <laughs> and then in our secondary, Xavier Woods does not get enough credit. Yeah. Um, obviously, Harrison Smith is, is our guy. Mm-hmm. Probably, a, you know, a ring of honor type guy, gold jacket candidate, that kind of stuff. But the job he does on the opposite side of him, Harry blitzes a lot. He's down in the box. You, you're on an island back there sometimes. Yeah. So um, now he handles that well, and he just makes a lot of solid plays that go unnoticed. Um, you know, he had a penalty on a hit that, you know, mm. I don't know what they – I asked him, like, when he got in there. I was like, what do they expect people to do? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, a lot of guys let that get in their head. He had a big play right after that, the very next drive. Right. No fear, no worrying about penalties, no worrying about fines, all this kind of stuff that could, you know, creep into your mind after you have a penalty like that. He goes and makes a big play on the sideline, knocks the ball out. So um, he does, he's doing a great job. Uh, we talked to him earlier this week about playing against his former team. And he, he, got, he has some motivation. And I know he'll have some motivation this Sunday, next Sunday. In Baltimore, you will have some motivation. It, it, it's always good to see guys play against their former teams. But it starts with the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Sunday, primetime football on NBC. Mike, it's be a great one. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate y'all. Thank you, man. All right, welcome back to the Audible presented by Verizon. Got Ben Lieber here. We just finished up our segment with defensive tackle Michael Pierce, who is primed to have a big year this year, the rest of the year, whenever he gets back from injury. And I'm excited that we got a chance to just, you know, fill out his thought process, especially for this upcoming game. Uh, We talked a little bit when we were, you know, wrapping up off the camera, and he he basically said, if we can get this win, it'll be a huge confidence boost for this entire defense going forward. Now, did you mix in prime because we talked about steak a lot? Yeah, because he doesn't eat steak. I know. I know. I've never, I don't think I've ever met anybody that, that hasn't eaten steak. I mean, steak. it's like, I know people that don't eat red meat, 
And I mean, I but, know people that are vegetarians. Yeah, but but to like to only like your steak when it's well done. <laughs> That to me is like, then just get the chicken. <laughs> he doesn't eat chicken. I, well, okay, well then just get get the pork chop or or get the salmon. Just get, yeah. You know what? That's not the way a steak is supposed to be done. So <laughs> so just <laughs> that, hurt, that hurt me. I'm such a red meat guy. I'm such. A, I love that dude because I think he he's obviously um, I think he's quirky like that. You he know, that's that's, that's what makes him interesting. He thinks outside of the box, and we know we got to be really good in the box on Sunday. We're talking about the front Ooh, four like and then our that. three linebackers. If we don't win the trenches on Sunday, I think it will be a, mm. a game that we don't want to be in against this Dallas Cowboy team that has every single starter on their team has been together for four years except for CeeDee Lamb in their center. Yeah. So they have some chemistry there. Yeah. We can't let them ever feel like they can get into a four-minute offense and get one-dimensional and just, and just pound us. And uh, I, I think that's a recipe for disaster. That, that obviously means that they're winning the game by a considerable amount. But, but they get in their two tight end set and the and then they can play that that power football game too, and and that has been our Achilles' heel, not just this year, but in in, in the years past. That our run defense has not been that strong. Mm-hmm. Are we getting better? A hundred percent, we're getting better. And I really think that uh, you know it's going to be a big test for us. But you know we've had success against Zeke in the past, yeah. and um, and I think that's going to carry us and, and give us that confidence going into the game. Who do you think is going to be a big standout player for the Vikings on Sunday? I think Dalvin Cook, man. Okay. Okay. Passing, receiving. I think receiving. You know, and I and I would even say just the running backs overall. Okay. Um, I think our running backs going to have at minimum a hundred yards receiving. <laughs> so, and I and I, I think Dalvin's going to be a big part of that. And it doesn't have to be in in the screen game because we can get those guys out, find some one on one matchups with a very athletic Micah Parsons. But look, he's not great in man coverage. Yeah. Leighton Vander Esch, same thing. He's just kind of a big hulking run stopping guy. Get him out in space. I think if we could t- take advantage of their man coverage against their linebackers, we'll win that matchup all day long. You ask me. Yeah. Now I'm about, I'm going to ask you. Who I, do you think is going to have a big day? I, I got to stick with Dalvin too. I mean, he. I don't think there's a better running back. But you're saying in the, the running game. In the in the running game. Okay, so I'll, I'm saying passing game. You're saying running. So game. Dalvin, if you say 100 yards receiving, I'll say 115 yards rushing. Ooh, I think boy. I think Dalvin goes for 215 all-purpose yards, and 115 of those come on the ground. It's been proven he averages over 100 yards against the Cowboys in the past two games. The opportunities will be there. I mean, he rushed for 140 yards against the Carolina Panthers last week, and it was a game where, you know, beginning of the game, we're trying to get him on the outside on the corners. And every time we get Dalvin downhill and one-on-one with the linebacker, it is success. You look at that and say, we got the best running back in the league. Why can't we do that too? So on top of your point, 115 yards rushing, we come out with a win. Dalvin comes out healthy. I think we're all happy if that's the case. Yeah, and and to use you know that that Patriots game, you know Ramadre Stevenson, he's a he's a big back, and you know he's very similar to to Alexander Madison. Yeah. And so you know that that one two punch, you know I think that that can be that can be formidable against this defense. You know you you have Dalvin make guys miss, get him in the in the the a gaps, make a linebacker miss, then you bring in a bigger back and run some guys over. Last point, thirty seconds. We read an article. You read an article right before the show taping, and it was basically, long story, it was on NFL.com, and it basically says, respect Trayvon Diggs, but don't fear him. Yeah. Yeah, that's the takeaway I got from it. It was surprising that, you know, Pro Football Focus did this whole thing on him, and they actually had him as one of the one of the lower-rated cornerbacks when you look at the totality of the snaps. And yes, he has seven interceptions and two pick-sixes, and that, that you have to respect, that right. he's a ball-hawking guy. And sometimes you're in those seasons where the ball just finds you, and, and that's... That's just the craziness of how these things play out. So 
no doubt you have to respect that. But I'm, I'm saying, and even looking at the film myself, you know, he gives up a lot of plays mm-hmm. as well. You know, and I look at him and I know that the public is going to look and say, well, you better not throw to Trayvon Diggs. Well, I'm saying do the opposite. Yeah. You know, and I think that there's a time and place where you can do it. You know, he's, he's phenomenal. And a lot of teams, and he's, he's very smart. He understands when you're third and five or less and you, you're opting to throw the football, most teams are throwing routes that are at the sticks. Mm-hmm. And you understand how that works mm-hmm. as, a, as a receiver. And you're just trying to move the chains. Well, he knows that as a, as a defensive back and as a corner. So he's jumping a lot of routes. He does a great job with his eyes. Yep. He has a great job of planting and going and, and reading the quarterback. So I think in those third and five or less situations, if you're going to throw, yeah. double move that dude. Double move him. Double yep. move. He's going to bite every single time to something in the flat. You double move, and you can go right over the top. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully that is the winning formula for Sunday's game against the Dallas Cowboys because we need a win, like Michael Pierce said, this win will build so much confidence for this ent- entire team going forward. You got to start strong. We're all healthy, all rested up. And now we get a game on Halloween. So whether it's a trick or a treat, I'm looking forward to a Vikings win on Sunday. Yeah, me too, man. Well, that's Ben Lieber. My name is Gabe Henderson. And for our special guest, Michael Pierce, this is The Audible presented by Verizon. We will see you guys and talk to you guys next week. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of The Audible. The Audible is presented by Verizon. With 5G built right for the Vikings, Minnesota can scream, stream, and share every play in Verizon 5G quality.